From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Somebody's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bill. I'm Bill Curtis, (laughs) and here is your host, making a Chase Bank auditorium out of his mashed potatoes, Peter Sagal. (laughs) Thank you, Bill, and thanks once again to our fake audience, who this week are the computer-generated artificial people that Fox Sports created to populate empty baseball stadiums this summer. That is absolutely true. They did that. These fake fans are amazingly realistic. Now watch how they all leave during the eighth inning to beat the traffic. (laughs) Later on, we're going to be talking to Padma Lakshmi, who in her TV show Taste the Nation traveled the country to understand all the varieties of American cuisine we don't really care about the food. We just want to hear her talk about going places other than the spare bedroom. But first, we want you to join us virtually, of course, and play our games. The number is one wait wait That's one 888 Now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Shelby Dini. Hey, Shelby, where are you calling from? Uh, Denver, Colorado. Oh, what do you do there? I'm a public defender. Oh my gosh. So now, have you been doing that virtually or are you still having to show up in court? It's been virtual for most of the time. Only started going back to court in July. And how did that feel going back to court? Well, it feels good, but it's really weird having to be in a mask and stand six feet away from your client and everyone else. Yeah. Have you ever been tempted just to shout, look, he's guilty, so so you can get out of there? (laughs) No. No, look, he's not guilty. There you go. That was very good. You're good at your job. (laughs) Shelby, let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, it's an Emmy-winning writer, as well as the voice of Jessie on the animated hit Netflix show Big Mouth. She's the author of the New York Times bestseller, You'll Grow Out of It. It's Jessie Klein. Hi. Next, a writer for the current season of At Home with Amy Sedaris. It's Peter Gross. Hello. And finally, making her debut on our show, it's a correspondent for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah and host of the new podcast, That Blackass Show, on Starburns Audio. It's Dulce Sloan. Hello, friends. <laughs> Shelby, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis right here is going to read you three quotations from the week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show, you might choose on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Let's do it. Here is your first quote. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Those words might be the ones inscribed in marble above the door of the future presidential library devoted to whom? Oh, um, it's it's Trump, right? Yes, it is, in fact, Donald (laughs) Trump. It's a little convoluted, but you got there. A few years ago, the president took a test given to people suspected of having dementia, and he aced it. Now, to give you a sense for what that test is, one of the questions is to look at a picture of an elephant and say what it is, which is fine. Yeah, it's good to know our president can tell an elephant apart from a crocodile. That comes up a lot in bilateral trade talks with a Richard Scarry picture book. (laughs) The test, this test also required him to draw a clock. And we imagine the doctor saying, no, no, Mr. President, we said clock. <laughs> and draw, not show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, like, why did he say those five words? Because if all I ever see in that test is those pictures. And right. then beneath that, it's not those five words. Right. So he's been, he's been bragging about this test for a long time. 
And when he was talking to Chris Wallace on Fox News, Chris Wallace said, well, it's really not that hard. So now he's got, it's hard. So in his latest Fox News interview, he went on for about two minutes describing how difficult this was. They make you say five words in a row and then a short while later make you remember them. But you don't have to say them in order, right? Well, he says that if you say them in order... You get a certain number, you get extra points. Right. We actually asked a doctor if that was true, if on this very standard test, you get extra points if you say them again in order. And she said, and I quote her in full, no. (laughs) It seems like if you leave a dementia test bragging about all the extra points you got on your dementia test, you have dementia. (laughs) And now the reason I should say Uh. that he keeps going on about this test is that he says it proves he's brilliant and he says Joe Biden could never pass this test. No way. And he's right, because no way Biden could be limited to just five words. He'd be like, person, man, I met a man at a factory and he said to me, Joe. They called him belly button. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Can he do that um, that old art, art school test that used to be on TV where you had to send in a drawing of a turtle? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think mean. he should try to draw a turtle, and then he could just go to art school like Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to your next quote. Don't shoot your mother. That was a chant aimed at federal troops who are now patrolling the streets of what city? Portland. Yes, Portland, Oregon. It's under siege by anonymous federal troops with military gear, and Portlanders did what any of us would do in that situation. They called their mom. Portlanders don't like being seized and shoved into unmarked vans. They prefer to be kidnapped in more environmentally friendly pedicabs. So, enter the Wall of Moms, a group of middle-aged women in bicycle helmets who are locking arms and taking on the riot police. Oh, the moms are here, and they are mad. Well, as they put it, they're not mad, they're just disappointed. (laughs) They chant things like, respect the Constitution, and speaking of that, it's not too late to go to law school. You know what? I could say it was very interesting because I've been to Portland multiple times, and to be anywhere that has more Black Lives Matter signs than black people (laughs) is is always suspicious. But when I saw that the city was like, I was like, yo, do they realize there's no black people to arrest and shoot at? They I thought they would be in like Detroit or like Chicago, mm-hmm. but they're just like shooting at white moms. It's very confusing. And then that <laughs> yeah. girl sitting naked in the street. I was done. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the anonymous Athena. This is a woman who walked up to the riot police, the federal troops, whatever they are. We don't really know. Uh, stark naked and sort of sat down. And I don't know how to say this. Showed her glory. Spread eagled. She spread eagled. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful. I think they were just like. All right, ma'am. I mean, I don't know why you would want the street to give you a pelvic exam, but it seemed like a very bad idea. Haven't you ever heard of a street pap? (laughs) (laughs) It would be a bummer if you you had thought that like 40 of your girlfriends were all like, yeah, we're going to do it too. (laughs) They were like, where are you? She got down there and was like, where's Yeah, that's what you don't see in that picture is her turning around going, okay, ladies, we're all here. And now everybody take your clothes off. <laughs> you know of how she, she could have caught sitting on the ground like that in Portland? Well, she got organic syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shelby, we have one more quote for you. It is from a woman looking back after four months of lockdown. 
I don't think I'll use them until the actual end time. So what are Americans not using as much as they thought they would back when all this started? Ooh, can I get a hint? Yeah, it's kind of the magical fruit. The more you eat, or rather the less you eat, I guess, the less you... Oh, canned beans? Yes, beans! (laughs) This week, NPR's All Things Considered reported that after months of lockdown, many Americans are now experiencing bean buyer's remorse (laughs) as they realize they did not actually need all the beans they hoarded back in March. All those Totino's pizza rolls, though, gone by April. One company reported a 70% increase in bean sales back in March, along with harmonicas and sticks and bindles. Maybe it was we realized gorging on beans was not a wise thing to do when we were locked inside with our loved ones and did not want to give them any more reasons to hate us. <laughs> did you guys Did you guys do this? Did you guys run out and buy all the beans you could because you thought you'd end up surviving on them? Well, the first like three weeks of the quarantine, I was on uh, the Daniel Fast. So What's that? it's a um It's a... Old Testament biblical fast, and basically the only things you can eat are vegetables, and you can only drink water. Is it? That does not sound like a pandemic-friendly diet. Did you ever find yourself searching through the Old Testament, like looking for a cheeseburger mentioned in the Book of Ezra, for example? You know you can't mix meat and dairy. Don't play me. No, that woman is good. The woman is good. <laughs> Peter, I was just going to say I continue to eat one Hershey's bar a day in addition to all the other foods. Oh, I was about to, I was, if, if you were just like on one Hershey bar a day, that would have been impressive. No, no, no. One Hershey's bar plus all the other foods. Everything else. Yeah, I'm on the Milton Hershey diet. He wrote about it in 1894. <laughs> <laughs> bar of chocolate a day. Just a, away. Yeah, exactly. Just eat chocolate. Bill, how did Shelby do in our quiz? Unanimous verdict for Shelby. Three right. Congratulations, Yay! Shelby. Thank you so much, Shelby. Take care. Stay safe. Okay, thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, right now, panel, it's time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Dulce, lockdown has affected all of us in different ways. According to a new study, 14% of men say they've grown attracted in a romantic way to what? Body hair. No, and I think we'd have to be locked up for even longer for that to happen. Damn it. <laughs> Can I have a hint? Uh, yeah, it is a wonderful companion. If you ask her for anything, she orders it from Amazon. If you share your secrets with her, she just oh, tells no. Amazon. An Alexa? Yes. Yes, Dulce. They're Alexa. Now, uh, researchers speculate that the rise in men falling for their smart devices is likely, of course, due to the forced isolation of the pandemic. Plus, it's nice to have a partner who takes an active interest in you, constantly asking (laughs) you interested questions like, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Can you repeat it? What? Yes, that has never happened in uh, most marriages. No, no. no, (laughs) It's what? I forgot what you were saying because I wasn't listening. I'm out here single trying to catch me a husband and these goofy jokers (laughs) sitting up falling in love with speakers? The hell is you saying, dog? (laughs) You got to change your name to Alexa. Listen. Make, I bet you, if you make me the Alexa voice and see how many of these fools show up. <laughs> Alexa, you can... what's the temperature? The same time it was yesterday. Quit asking me questions, dog. Get a girlfriend. The hell is wrong with you? Yes. I'm falling in love with you, too. Kiss me, you fool. Coming up, practice safe everything in our Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. 
Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Best Fiends. This summer, engage your brain with challenging puzzles and collect tons of cute characters in this family-fun mobile game. Best Fiends is a five-star rated game and has over 100 million downloads. It's updated with new levels and new in-game events monthly. So grab your family and download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. A Minneapolis business owner's daughter is called out publicly for racist, anti-Black tweets. Fighting to save his business and trying to make amends, he calls on a prominent Black Muslim leader for help. He's an Arab Muslim. And I said, Brother Makram, I'm here to learn. Tell me what to do. To hear what happens next, listen to Code Switch from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Dulce Sloan, Peter Gross, and Jesse Klein. And here again is your host. Let's hope he remembered to unmute himself. Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Right now it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. If you'd like to play, call one wait wait Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hey, Kathy from Hoover, Alabama. Kathy from where? Hoover, Alabama. Hoover, Alabama. Now, I can't say I know Alabama well, but where is Hoover? Um, it's where it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say a little northeast. Uh, 459 runs right past us. All right. The next time I'm on you know 459, I will absolutely look yeah. in your direction. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Kathy. You're going to play the game in which you have to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Kathy's topic? Reopen Sesame. Businesses everywhere are reopening for five minutes until they have to close again. Our panelists, though, are going to tell you about a business that figured out a new way to be safe in the age of COVID. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You'll win the wait waiter of your choice in your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Oh, yeah. Well, then let's do it. First, let's hear from Dulce Sloan. Hi, Miss Kathy. Hey. Hi. You're northeast of what? Mobile, Tuscaloosa, Birmingham? Well, if you come up from Mobile mm-hmm. and pretty much stay straight, you'd be right there. I'm from Georgia, and I go to Alabama all the time, so that's why I was like... Hmm. Yeah, you, you go to Gulf Shores and stuff like that? Yes, ma'am. I go down to Dolphin Island. Oh, how wonderful. My family <laughs> loves Dolphin Island, and we just go straight down um, 65 into Mobile and then right over there. <laughs> okay, you Ms. know Kathy, your I'm state th- highways. I am impressed. <laughs> I'm from New York. I don't know anywhere that you guys are talking about. Don't you wish you did, though? <laughs> didn't you Didn't you listen to them talking like, oh, I should have just thrown out some numbers. <laughs> I have been to Mobile. That's beautiful. <laughs> okay. So, Miss Kathy, I'm going to tell you a story. You got to tell me if I'm telling the truth now. Okay. <laughs> so, Germex has partnered with Orkin to create a spray mist sanitizing system for retail stores and restaurants that disinfects customers as they walk in. A spokesperson for the system stated, this is a match made in heaven. Germex is the leader in sanitizer and Orkin is an expert at spraying unwanted pests. Our current unwanted pest is COVID-19. Like the water mister in the produce section of a grocery store, customers will be sprayed with a fine antibacterial mist for 20 seconds, the same amount of time we should be washing our hands. Unfortunately, there have been a few hiccups in this well-meaning plan. While testing the new system at a CVS, some customers complained of the mist ruining their clothes, hair, or makeup, and it left them dripping wet. One customer was quoted as saying, this is ridiculous. Everyone is soaking wet and flammable. One static shock and this whole place will go up in flames. 
I came in for allergy medicine, not an indoor slip and slide. But it did make my shopping trip faster, though. I was able to pick up some items as I slid through the aisles. <laughs> a customer that threatened to sue because her designer suit was ruined as she barreled down the makeup aisle was informed that she couldn't sue due to the damages injury waiver that was on the last 10 inches of her CVS receipt. <laughs> CVS spraying down their customers with disinfectant before they were allowed to come in, making them somewhat slippery. Your next story of a safety solution comes from Peter Gross. The Dunkin' Donuts in Clinton, Connecticut, has been open for drive through service ever since the pandemic struck in March. But when the state moved to phase three of its reopening this week, the store was finally allowed to have customers come inside. We were really excited to see some of our regulars face to face again, said store manager Lisa Koble. Her franchise is smaller than most Dunkin's, though, and Koble was worried about COVID exposure in such a tight space. So she asked for a little leeway from corporate and came up with a really intriguing idea. The six-foot donut, which was introduced on Monday, is the perfect combination of edible food item and once-in-a-century pandemic safety protocol. How does the six-foot donut work? Well, if you've ever been inside of an inner tube, then you know what it's like not to just order, but also wear a six-foot donut. Upon entering the store, you are given your choice of glazed chocolate, vanilla, or pink icing with sprinkles. Customers simply slip the six-foot donut over their head until they're comfortably encased in the six-foot-in-diameter, 45,000-calorie, 25-pound donut outfitted with suspenders to help keep it at waist level. You can either start eating your way out of the donut in the store or take it home with you and enjoy the equivalent of 750 donuts at your leisure. So far, Kobol is thrilled with how it's working out. People have really been enjoying coming back into the store, strapping on a donut and bouncing up against other customers like they're in bumper cars. The CDC has proclaimed the six-foot donut as 98% effective at preventing transmission of coronavirus, but 100% effective at giving you a new malady called type 2 donut beaties. A six-foot donut served at a Dunkin' Donuts that people put around their waist to make sure they keep safe distance from the other customers. Your last story of a protective measure comes from Jesse Klein. The speed with which the pandemic has changed every aspect of our lives has been stunning. But at one pub in England, the changes are quite literally shocking. In an effort to enforce social distancing among a boozy crowd, one tavern owner in Cornwall has installed an electric fence inside his bar to keep inebriated clients at bay. Johnny McFadden, owner of the Star Inn, tried several different tactics before going with the fence, but apparently things like ropes, floor stickers, and the fear of COVID itself were no match for customers consuming one pint too many. So finally, inspired by the electric fences commonly used to keep sheep together in his rural farming town, he plugged in, and apparently the threat of electrocution has worked fairly well. Says McFadden, quote, people are like sheep. Sheep keep away, people keep away. Some might be concerned that a bar owner who's installed a live electric fence in his establishment is opening himself up for many a lawsuit, but as McFadden sees it, Quote, as long as there's a warning sign on an electric fence and you are warned about it, it's totally legal. McFadden may be no lawyer, but he's got a doctor's concern for the health of his customers and cheers to that. All right. Kathy, somewhere there is a business that is opening up with one of these concessions to safety in the age of COVID. Is it from Dulce? a CVS that started spraying down customers with disinfectant before they come in the door. From Peter Gross, uh, Dunkin' Donuts that's selling special six-foot donuts that you actually put around your waist to make sure you keep distance. Or from Jesse, a pub in England that has installed an electric fence to make sure that nobody gets too close. Which of these is the real story? Um, I really think the, the story that sounds plausible 
is the bar. All right, Kathy, your choice then is Jesse's story of the bar with the electric fence. Well, we spoke to the innovator who came up with this new safety precaution. As long as it's a warning sign on an electric fence, it's totally legal. And as a fear factor, it works. You know, if he says it in that accent, it sounds true. That was Johnny McFadden, landlord of the Star Inn, the bar with the electric fence. Congratulations, Kathy. You got it right. You earned a point for Jesse. You've won our prize, the voice of your choice in your voicemail. You did it! Thank you. Oh, you sound so delighted. I love it. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thanks for playing and stay safe. Thank you. And now the game where people who do amazing things try out the mundane for once. It's called Not My Job. So Padma Lakshmi is a model, actor, and author, but mostly she's famous for doing one thing better than anyone else, and that is eating. She's been a judge on Top Chef for more than 15 years. She recently released a series on Hulu called Taste the Nation, where she travels the country to try different kinds of American cuisine. Padma Lakshmi, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, That was sort of a joke, but I'm told that you actually do have a superpower, that you're a super taster, I was told. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds more impressive than it is. It's like, you know, the human version of when dogs can hear whistles that humans can't. That's awesome. So, but you didn't technically know that you had this ability, but did you know there was something different about you growing up? Did you know that you were special? Yes, I did. I don't know about special, but definitely my family thought I was weird or strange because even when I was a toddler, I really enjoyed very spicy foods and, you know, very spicy for Indian cuisine. And so I would always seek out really spicy pickles and chilies in my grandmother's kitchen. And they kept moving those jars higher Uh and higher on the pantry shelves. And then I would just climb them like the monkey. And basically, you know, one time I was there and I, the glass was oily and it slipped from my hand and it fell. And I was just hanging there for a really long time because if I, jumped down, I would have jumped onto glass and oil. And, you know, my aunt saved me. But I've always had a very keen uh, sense of taste and smell, which is not always great if you're dating me. But um, (laughs) yes, like my partner tastes like four showers a day. We were talking earlier on the show about what we've been eating during the pandemic. How have you been doing? Have you been cooking at home? I assume you're quite a good chef. Yeah, I was cooking at home. In fact, I was cooking five minutes ago. You know, the first thing I did in pandemic was go out and buy like 25 pound bags of rice and lentils. Whereas, you know, um, my daughter was hoarding Cheerios and my partner was hoarding weirdly dried apricots and peanut butter. And we still have like 47 boxes of cereal and I'm I'm pushing the cereal. I'm pushing an all carb diet because I need space in my pantry. Is it possible that he got like the dried apricots and peanut butter because he thought it might make him smell a little better? One can hope. (laughs) (laughs) I consider myself a decent cook, but I've gotten so bored with my own cooking. I just can't think of anything that interests me to eat anymore. I'm like, can they invent a new animal or something? Just <laughs> I get sick of my own cooking, believe me. You know, the other day I was like, can somebody else cook, please? Your daughter was like, I'm going to make a Cheerios casserole <laughs> that you are going to love. It's with, topped with dried apricots. <laughs> totally. Like, you must have been at some time in your career in, in a situation where somebody lovely who you love has made you some dish and it's terrible and you're not going to tell them that. What do you say? I don't say anything. Um, you know, I 
<laughs> just like I made it my mission to to not ever lie to my daughter and I just talk around difficult questions. Um, <laughs> um, I, I just don't say anything. I mean, I, I'm thinking of a particular Passover dinner at, you know, some my daughter's father's relative's house. Um, and I just didn't say anything. I just, you know, I, I, I hope she doesn't listen to the show. Oh, if she's an, if she's an older <laughs> Jewish woman, she absolutely does. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about your show, uh, Taste the Nation, which is awesome. You travel the country and you immerse yourself for the episode in various communities and talk about their food as part of their culture. And it's great. What do you do if you're eating somebody's cooking and you really don't like it on this show because i've created the show and i'm choosing where to go i'm going there for a particular reason i i have to say though in the native american episode yeah i was very nervous i was kind of shaking in my boots about that pack rat it was my first rodent sure i'd never had anything like it i've eaten a lot of funky stuff over the years as you can imagine um, I had pack rat glazed with a sumac agave sauce, and it was divine. <laughs> We're gonna have it for Thanksgiving if I can catch it. <laughs> That'd be traditional at being in. You should have it. You should have your uh, in-laws over and have it for Passover. Exactly. <laughs> you're saying pack rat? Is that what you're saying? Because I don't know what kind of. I just know rat. I don't know. You should describe a pack rat for everybody. A pack it. rat is a very small desert animal. Mm-hmm. It nests in bushes. Uh, it has a t- tail it's furry um, you need about eight of them to be full if you're just eating the legs i can mm-hmm. tell you this from personal experience now and mm-hmm. you know when it's done because you boil it until the tail falls off my aunt had possum for thanksgiving one year and you just go in the kitchen and it was just a skin possum in the sink and i was just like okay <laughs> i don't i don't know anything about your personal life nor do i want to pry but the one thing i i would guess could break up a relationship between a jew and a non-jew is manischewitz wine <laughs> like you drink this stuff i gotta tell you at that first passover dinner yeah the way the food was i was begging for a goblet of manischewitz <laughs> oh that's really bad food then yeah when someone says pass the manischewitz you're like you must hate my food yeah. totally <laughs> Well, Padma Lakshmi, it is a delight to talk to you, but we have invited you here to play a game we're calling Top Chef Meet Top Ref. So you know and work with the best chefs in the world. What do you know of the top refs? We're going to ask you three questions about sports referees. Answer two correctly, and you'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they might choose for their voicemail. Bill, who is Padma Lakshmi playing for? Christopher Price of San Diego, California. All right. One of the pioneers of refereeing was hockey ref Fred Waghorn, who was responsible for what important innovation in refereeing? Was it A, he introduced the striped uniform because, quote, I find it quite slimming. B, he was the first ref to eject a player by picking him up and carrying him off the rink. Or C, he was the first ref to introduce whistles to the game to replace the traditional referee's cowbell. Hmm. I'm going to say... He introduced the whistle. You're exactly right, Padma. That's what he did. Apparently, uh, at that point, referees used cowbells to indicate, like, the start and stop of play. And uh, fans started bringing their own cowbells to confuse them. So he said, aha, nobody else will have a whistle. All right, next question. Joey Crawford is a legendary referee in the NBA, but he was suspended for part of a season because he did what? A, he grabbed the ball from Chris Paul after Paul missed two free throws and said, let me show you how to do it. B, he challenged Tim Duncan, who was sitting on the bench, to a fist fight. 
Or C, he called a technical foul on Steph Curry just because his drooly mouth guard was really gross. Wow. I'm going to say the first one. You're going to say the first one that he walked up to Chris Paul, took the ball and said, let me show you how to do it after Paul missed some free throws. Yeah. No, it was actually number two. He did challenge Tim Duncan to a fist fight. This was after he had already called two technical fouls on Duncan for laughing at him. (laughs) It's all bad. But this is not for you because there's one more question if you get this right. Oh, great. NFL referees went on strike right before the 2012 season, resulting in the league bringing in replacement refs who were not very good. In fact, one of those refs had done what before he got his chance at the NFL? A, he had his driver's license revoked because of his poor eyesight. B, he applied to be a ref in the English Football League because he didn't know they meant soccer. Or C, he had been fired from the Lingerie Football League for incompetence. Um, hey, is there a lingerie league? I think you guys made that up. No, there really is a lingerie football league. It's women playing football. Football and lingerie. lingerie. It's not men. This is going to shock you, but it's not men playing football (laughs) and lingerie. Well, you know, there you go for misogyny. The men get to have all this padding. It doesn't seem fair. I'm going to go with number one. You're going to go with number one, that he had his driver's license revoked, that he was so blind that they actually took away his license to drive, and yet he got a job refereeing in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. Uh, It was actually number three. It was the Lingerie Football League. (laughs) In fact, there was an entire crew of referees from the Lingerie Football League who ended up in the NFL and were blamed for uh, some of the worst things that happened during that brief period of time. Uh, Bill, how did Padma Lakshmi do in our quiz? Dismally. Padma got, (laughs) technically, she got one out of three, but... Let's give her an extra point for bringing such spice to our show. Very You're well a winner, done. Padma. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Padma Lakshmi's new show is Taste the Nation on Hulu. It's wonderful, but warning, it will make you hungry for food that's hard to get right now. Padma Lakshmi, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. An absolute joy to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys, for having me on. I'm such a huge fan of the show. You give me great joy. I'm going to go back to uh, cooking my chicken. All right, go do it. Bye. Bye-bye, Bye. Bye. In just a minute, just when you thought it was safe to go back into limericks, call 1-888-WAIT-WAIT to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from Talkspace. Lately, it seems there's something new to grapple with every day, so it's important to get support to keep moving forward. Talkspace Online Therapy matches you with an experienced licensed therapist right from your phone or computer. For the price of one in-person therapy session, you can message your therapist 24-7 and hear back five days a week. Visit Talkspace.com or download the app today and get $100 off your first month with promo code WAIT. I'm Jen White, the new host of NPR's 1A, a daily show that asks America what it wants to be. Hear from people across the country, listeners like you, with conversations for the relentlessly curious on the issues that matter most. Join me next time on 1A from NPR and WAMU. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. 
the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Dulce Sloan, Jesse Klein, and Peter Gross. And here again is your host, celebrating two days without a work-from-home injury, <laughs> Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill's favorite Egyptian pharaoh... Well, that's Rhymesies. It's our listener limerick challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Uh, Jesse, it's not just weddings that are moving online. Zoom is becoming a popular place to conduct what other religious ceremony? Uh, a bar mitzvah. No, although you have the right religion. Oh, no. This is mine. This is my people. This is Jesse. Yes, it's our people. Oh, a bris? Yes. A <laughs> oh, God. Zoom bris. Can we just talk about how the other panelists all start doing scissor <laughs> yes. fingers? <laughs> the bris, of course, is the traditional Jewish ceremony performed by a special rabbi on a baby boy's babyhood. And one of the most important Jewish traditions associated with the bris is that attendees never actually have to watch it. As one <laughs> yeah. recent attendant of a virtual bris put it, quote, I'm usually in the back eating bagels, but in a Zoom bris, the camera and the action are all centered on the very act, unquote. Especially if you forget to switch off speaker view. I was, yeah, was going to say mute my audio. <laughs> Please. There and should not be like a, a the camera should not be pointed down. It should be at the moil or the I don't think you want it on the moil's face either because what if all of a sudden he starts doing that thing where the what's the first thing to do <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. or he what takes out a knows. book and is like okay, or he starts reading go, in go, directions go. he wrote down in his hand there aren't there aren't enough passwords to protect that, <laughs> that event if you do attend a bris virtually on zoom make sure uh, you put it in gallery view because you don't want to miss the moment where you hear the snip and all the men in the audience wince and cross their legs <laughs> simultaneously I think if you hear the snip you're at a bad <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you, you hear a chainsaw, hear if, you hear, yeah. if you hear a snip and then a quiet whoops, should, then you know it's gone very poorly. Should be like going through butter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's Only day one, one in Moyle School. I, we should change the expression. How how'd it go? Oh, it went like a hut knife through a foreskin. <laughs> Peter. That's Peter. Peter, this week, ABC News tweeted a video of huge stingrays mere feet away from unaware swimmers, but viewers were more concerned about something else in that video. What? Um, there was no lifeguard. There was a shark behind the stingray. There was, uh, uh, there was a concert going on. I'll, I'll, well, I'll give you a hint. We didn't know that lotion came in negative SPF numbers. How sunburned everybody was? How sunburned one guy was. ABC tweeted an advisory to Florida beachgoers with a picture of a school of stingrays near a beach, and people freaked out because of the fire engine red man standing in the water nearby. Presumably the man was severely sunburned or just really mad he didn't get a call back for the mascot job at Red Lobster. And he was now, just a super sunburned guy? Yeah. Now I remember, you know what? Now I remember I, I did see that guy. I looked now, at stingrays, and then I saw that guy. And I was like, get it together, red guy. Yeah, I mean. Oh, my God. I'm looking at it right now. He yeah. looks like a human beat. He, he does. radioactive. He looks, he's the color of Clifford the Big Red Dog <laughs> yeah, with an Instagram totally. filter. It's not, this man's not real. 
Do you think on the Stingray internet, all the Stingrays are watching a video of how close they came to this crazy <laughs> red freak? Oh, my like, God. What a close call. Yeah. And they're like, Larry almost ate that weirdo. And yeah, I'm talking about the Stingray internet, and it's real. Get used to it. Sea creatures have internet. Don't do them like that. They out here being advanced society. Well, there's like black Spongebob. Twitter. and yeah. yeah, there's like yeah. black Twitter and gay Twitter black and stuff. Twitter, so Stingray internet. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four, or click the contact us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. If you want more wait, wait in your week, well then check out the wait, wait quiz for your smart speaker. It's out every Wednesday, and it's your chance to join the other fourteen percent of men who have already fallen in love with their Alexa and with Bill and me. Hi, you're on wait, wait. Don't tell me. Hello. Hi, who's this? This is Jen Bliss. I live in Litchfield, Maine, but I'm in Jamaica Plain right now. What do you do? What do you do up in Litchfield when you're home in Litchfield? I I uh, mostly create community festivals, and um, this year we're trying to plan a live streaming event where the locals can come and participate, even though they they can't actually be there themselves. Right. So. It's it's hard to eat enormous turkey legs over a Zoom meeting. So. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that they bring their own. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Jen. Now, Bill Curtis, of course, is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a winner. You ready to play? I'm ready. Okay, here is your first limerick. The waters I hunt in are dark, but from lava I get a nice spark. That's why I won't say no to one hot volcano. It's home to this hammerhead... Shark. Shark, yes! yes a new National Geographic special focuses on an amazing discovery, volcano sharks. They sound amazing, like vicious killers that breathe fire and swim in molten lava, and they're sort of like that? Scientists sent robotic cameras to examine an active underwater volcano in the Pacific Ocean and were amazed to find... Giant sharks swimming through the acidic, lava-filled water. Which means, I'm afraid to say, it's no longer safe to go swimming in an active volcano. Yeah. I can't handle another thing. <laughs> but, like, that volcano shark makes me think that it can only be... Can it go to, like, other places, or does it have to live My in guess is that water? if it has habituated itself to that environment, if it were to leave, it would be in trouble. That's I, a guess. I, I don't know. Oh, I ain't worried. They're not coming to Astoria. It's too nice there. See? Mm-mm. I'm landlocked, baby. You can't get me volcano shark. Although it, it would be a great, it would be a great Pixar movie to see. Like he was a volcano shark, <laughs> just wanted to live in the regular water. <laughs> All right, very good. Here is your next limerick, Jen. As a doctor, my hands I still scour, cause water and soap have some power. But as each day goes by, my body stays dry. I've given up taking a... Shower? Yes. Backing up years of research from the nation's stinky teenage sons, a doctor in New York says showering is bad. Dr. James Hamblin hasn't showered with soap in five years. Just the kind of background info you want on the guy about to do your annual exam. He stopped using body products altogether and claims that thusly he was able to recreate the natural biome of his skin surface. Finally answering the question, skin care? No, skin don't care. 
Does Dr. James Hamlin also sleep on a futon? Uh-huh. You'd think he did, right? Or a lofted bed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you, it, it's just all painting a picture to me. Is he a world hacky sack champion? <laughs> Does is he, he a white man dreads? with dreadlocks? Yeah, yeah. 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 white, white dread. I'm feeling a white dread situation. Wait, I thought to say, would you trust? Would you trust a white dread doctor? <laughs> white dread doctor. <laughs> Doctor Hamblin has written a book about the science of going all natural, which was necessary because only the doctor and author combo could even out the never showers part of your profile on Tinder. If I'm on a date with a guy and he starts explaining how he's recreated the biome, I literally am, I'm in an Uber before, in between the words recreated and biome, I'm out. I mean, even if he took just bacon soda, you're like, all right, fine. But he ain't using no soap. That means he don't use toothpaste. He don't use shampoo. Yeah, he's he using Tom. Use I'm smelling a Tom's of Maine nightmare. He's using that crystal. You know he's using that crystal. Cr- <laughs> I was we, just thinking that. That would that be the iconic thing, works. that crystal deodorant. That crystal but never works. He's not works. using any deodorant, apparently. I thought you meant crystal meth. No. no. I haven't crystal- showered in six years. I haven't slept in six years. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, you're doing really great. Here is your last limerick. Paparazzi face new thankless tasks. Who's under there? Editors ask. One half of a face is just too hard to place. We all suffer because stars now wear masks. Right. Right now, celebrities are just like us. They're stuck at home, they're super boring, and they're wearing masks when they go out. That means tough times for the paparazzi who have a hard time selling candid photos of... uh, Is that Jonah Hill or Matt Damon? (laughs) If the paparazzi want to get back out there, they should consider rebranding a bit. Sure, Charlize Theron in a mask going to the grocery store doesn't interest the Daily Mail, but Charlize Theron and Face Thong on her way to feed has some buzz. Also, I was reading a story about how like banks are kind of freaked out too because everybody's wearing everybody's a mask walking in and wearing a mask. <laughs> the paparazzi, they should just take pictures of anybody and be like, "Yeah, I don't know, it's Gwyneth Paltrow, whatever." Just trust just me, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Bill, how did Jen do in our quiz? Superb. She got three straight. Good going, Jen. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you so much for playing. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Kay Buxbaum in support of the David Gilkey and Zabiula Tamana Memorial Fund, established to strengthen NPR's commitment to training and protecting journalists in high-risk environments. Now it's time to move on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Dulce has two, Peter has two, and Jesse has four. All right, Dulce and Peter are tied, so Dulce, you're new here. We'll let you go first. Fill in the blank. While delaying a permanent name change, the Washington football team announced they would be temporarily known as blank. Washington football team. That's exactly right. This week, California (laughs) surpassed blank as the state with the most COVID cases. New York. Exactly. To solve a dispute over their property line, a man in Maine blanked his neighbor's garage. Cut it in half. Exactly right. On Thursday, electric car maker Blank showed a profit for its fourth straight quarter. Tesla? Yes, on Thursday, Blank threw out the first pitch to open the 2020 baseball season. I don't know. Dr. Fauci, and it was a terrible pitch. This week, a student at the University of Georgia was given a second chance to take an online exam after a falling Blank ended her first one early. A falling ceiling tile. No, it was a falling meatball from the sub she was eating. 
that landed on her keyboard. She lied. The student says she had barely started her econ exam when the meatball rolled out from the sub she was eating, landed on her keyboard, and submitted the test early. In a panic, she wrote an email to her professor. She explained that the 39% score in the exam was the fault of the meatball. The professor agreed to give her a second chance and told the meatball he'd see it in summer school. Lies. Bill, how did Dulce do in our quiz? I think she did really well. Very, very well. She got four right for eight more points, and she now has ten. All right, Peter, you're up next, Bill in the bank. On Tuesday, President Trump signed a memorandum aimed at excluding undocumented immigrants from the blank. From the United States of America. No, the census this time. On Thursday, a judge ordered that former Trump lawyer blank be released back into home confinement. Oh, uh, Michael Cohen. Yes. Uh, this week, the House voted to remove Confederate blanks from the Capitol. Uh, statues. Right. On Tuesday, Vice President Biden unveiled a $775 billion plan to provide blank programs for parents and the elderly. Um, health programs. Or, I'll or, give it to um, you. Caregiving, yeah. yeah this week, yeah. a man's attempt to fake his own death to avoid going to court was foiled when he blanked. Actually died. No, made a typo on his forged death certificate. After his campaign rally on Monday, Kim Kardashian released a statement addressing her husband Blank's mental health. Kanye. Right. On Thursday, AMC, the world's largest blank chain, once again delayed their reopening. Um, movie theaters. Right. This week, a photo of a couple wearing masks on an airplane went viral because they were also blanking. Joining the Mile High Club. Yes, they were making out. In the photo, the woman is leaning into the man's seat, and he has his arms around her waist while his masked face is pressed really hard against hers. Other passengers were shocked and confused by the sight, but it's pretty clear the couple just wanted to join the Mile Y Club. (laughs) Bill, how did Peter do in our quiz? Very well. He got six right for 12 more points. He now has, let me calculate, uh, he has 14 and the lead. Very well done. And how many then does Jesse Klein need to win? Well, she needs five to tie and six to win outright. All right, Jesse, this is for the game. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, the White House agreed to a $2 billion deal with Pfizer for 100 million doses of an eventual blank. Vaccine. Right, for COVID. According to the Treasury Secretary, payroll tax cuts won't be a part of the next blank. Stimulus package. Uh, yeah, coronavirus relief bill. This week, the mayor of Washington, D.C. announced that blanks will be mandatory when outside your home. Masks. Right, according to a new study. Only 8% of Americans agree that blanks should reopen in the fall. School. Right. Plans to open a floating hotel in Wales are now on hold after blank. Volcano sharks. After the hotel (laughs) sank. On Tuesday, Twitter said that it had banned 7,000 accounts associated with the blank conspiracy theory. Uh, QAnon? Yes. On Wednesday, photographers captured a picture of blank being struck by four bolts of lightning. The Statue of Liberty. Yes. God has a message. After accidentally damaging a sculpture, a family in China regretted their decision to let their kids play a game of tag in blank. Uh, a museum? Yes. Specifically, the Shanghai Museum of Glass. (laughs) Wow. That's right. Last week, someone in Shanghai said, lockdown has left the kids with so much energy to burn off. I know. Let's go to the glass museum. And it went about as well as you could expect. Two of the kids bumped into a stand holding a $60,000 replica of Cinderella's castle, causing it to fall to the ground. The museum has yet to share the extent of the damage, but is inviting guests to come view their new exhibit, Cinderella's favorite glass shards. 
Bill, did Jesse do well enough to win? Jesse has a big score, seven right for 14 more points. She now has 18 points. She wins. She Congratulations, Jesse. Yeah. I needed this one. Nice work. Yay. Yay. In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict what will be the five words they have to memorize on their cognitive tests. But first, let me tell you that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with increasingly urgent haircut productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager, that's Gianna Capadona. Our intern is Emma Day. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Liederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Senior Cook was played by Peter Gwynn. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillag. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Danforth. Now, panel, what will be the five words on the test you take to prove that you are not suffering from dementia? Jesse Klein. Xanax, Zoloft, tequila, vote November 3rd. Peter Gross. Well, judging by Trump's answers, it's five things that are around you at all times. So it'll be wife, Dog, son, no pants. And Dulce Sloan. Uh, sir, Finna, what you, conscious and conscience, because I have a hard time saying those words. <laughs> well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Jesse Klein, Peter Gross, and a wonderful welcome to Dulce Sloan. It was great to have you. Great job, Dulce. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. I'm Peter Segel. Yes, another week in the books. You think you can do another one? Yes, we can. We'll see you next week. Bye! This is NPR.